You're listening to Sobriety with Ari Eastman. Hey, that's me. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of this, 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 this podcast where we, and by we, I mean me, tell you about my life and myself. And uh, it's my audio diary that one day will be unearthed by future generations and they'll be like this was a great case study in someone who was um not okay but also okay you know oh by the way let me point out the thing i absolutely despise about myself and i shouldn't call attention to it but doing these and talking by myself for most of them and in interviews I figured out what my filler words are, and I say, you know, all the fucking time, and it's driving me nuts, and I'm even going and trying to cut out some of them. I'm even, I'm even cutting out some of my you knows, and you could still go back and do a tally. I was going to say, you could do a drinking game. Don't do a drinking game on my sobriety podcast, you animals. You know? I say it a lot. It's something that I'm working on. It's something that I'm very aware of. I think it's my, I think it's my nervous, it's my nervous filler word. It's my like, which I also say a lot. So I'm trying to figure out how to just talk and not fill all spaces. That's always been something for me. I'm a fill all spaces kind of person. That's who I am on dates. Talk, 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 talk. Never allow there to be an awkward silence because I cannot sit in that awkward silence. So if there is even a moment of awkward silence, I'll just start, you know, see, I didn't even do that. That was an accident. See, it's so baked into me. Okay, I'm on a date and there is a moment of awkward silence. I will start talking about animal facts or one time I was on this date and I just started talking about this other date I had with this kind of sort of famous but not mainstream famous poet rapper guy, which, number one, not great to talk about a date on a date. And as I'm talking about this date and I'm talking about how bad it was and how awkward it was. I can't remember if I said who, I think I even said the person's identity. I either said it or the guy I was on a date with asked. And then he said, oh, I used to be roommates with that guy. And I just was like, wow, I can't stop opening my big fucking mouth for two seconds. And uh, I'm sure that made its way back to the original guy that I had the date with. Uh, Again, that was back in my drinking days too. So um, a lot looser with the things I would say. But still, I feel the need to constantly fill silences and I'm catching myself when I'm interviewing people or having conversations. I just always want to fill that silence. I can't ever just let that silence sit. And that's something I'm trying to work on because it's annoying and I'm picking it up and uh, I'm all about saying things out loud. I hold myself accountable. You all hold me accountable. That's it's 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 the same thing with telling people that I'm sober. I think that for so long... I really kept it hidden away, especially when I had branded myself online as this person who was so vulnerable and I talked about mental health and I wrote about mental health when I was working at Thought Catalog and 
oh, I'm an open book. That's I've always been like, I'm an open book. I'm an open book. But I wasn't actually an open book because <laughs> there was a page in that book that was containing all of these damaging things I was doing with my drinking. And the only time I would really share that open book was sometimes when I was really drunk. And then I would walk it back the next day. And um, yeah, it's interesting how we will talk about being vulnerable when often there's actually something else that requires true vulnerability. When I really, when I really dissect how many times I referred to myself as an open book and I took a lot of pride in this identity of I share, I'll share anything. And I used to write so many poems where there was a reoccurring theme around the idea of like, look at me, like I open my scars for everybody. Like I've got a big open heart and I'll bleed all over you. Like, you know, my dramatic emo poetry. And I look back at that now and and think, was I sharing parts of myself? Yeah, but none of it really required that much bravery because a lot, because I also gain a lot from validation from people. And it's this weird mixture because do I share things because I want to connect with other people and I want them to feel less alone? Yes. Do I also personally get something out of someone validating me? Yes. So I think it's a strange, um, especially for a lot of my early 20s, it's a strange combination and and the kind of branding of myself, like I said, as this open book. I look back and I go, were you really an open book or were you just, were you just picking pages that you knew were going to give you validation? Were you, were you picking the pages that it felt comfortable for you to share already and because you knew other people would like you for it or they would applaud you for it or what, whatever the thing is and um, that's kind of now how I feel where I'm like, this idea too of being an open book, I wonder if in the age of social media and literally what I'm doing right here in this podcast, what I have built a lot of my social media identity around, I wonder if sometimes we open a book, quote unquote, we open this book ourselves to everyone but don't actually open it to the specific people in our lives because I even think back to I could write an article I could write an article about something that seemed oh my god like wow she's like so brave to share these things but I wouldn't talk to someone in my actual life about it it was all for internet consumption it was all for you know, anonymous views and comments and likes and clicks. And I still function that way often. I still will have a bad day. And instead of texting someone and try and getting that one-on-one connection with someone, I'll post an Instagram story and be like, I had a horrible day. I don't know. I'm like, is that a combination of growing up with um, the internet? Is that just sort of like, 
the part of me that is always performing, that is always wanting to put a show on for people that is, I mean, I joke and I say that my dream is to have a reality TV show. And like, I'm not going to lie, like, there is a part of me that would really like to be on a reality TV show. The Circle specifically, that's the one I would like to be on. So if anyone has any pull with getting me on The Circle, contact me. <laughs> with my drinking, I, while drunk, would write a poem about secretly being concerned about my drinking. I would write these like dark poems about my alcohol consumption while I was drunk submit them to literary magazines to online literary magazines get them published have poems out there about me questioning my own drinking but not sit down and talk to my mom about it that's real vulnerability that's real connection and putting something out there on the internet not to say that you can't find vulnerability on the internet because of course like that's that's a big part of what I would always seek out when I was getting sober was podcasts and stuff online. And, and, you know, I always talk about the amazing power of social media, especially in sobriety spaces. But yeah, it's like I, I was sitting there talking about being an open book, submitting poems about being concerned about my inability to stop drinking and then not actually talking to the people who matter the most and who love me the most about that very thing. But I'd put it out on the internet. It's almost like it was less real on the internet, which is so crazy because <laughs> the internet is forever. But I, because I've worked, because because of my past working in putting out articles and listicles and having to have like five of them a day and just... I have no fear when it comes to putting things out online that are that maybe make me look dumb or stupid or or whatever embarrassing. That's the thing. I never feel embarrassed online. I never feel that cringe online. Like I had a TikTok go viral. Literally, it's like two million views of me literally saying I haven't had sex in two years. And then recently, I had a TikTok go. I wouldn't say full viral. I had like half a million views talking about how uh, making a joke that. Uh, I was afraid of the toilet when I was a little kid because I thought a witch was going to poke my asshole. Those two things might be embarrassing to other people. Me, I'm like, hell yeah, more views, more likes, more comments coming in, baby. I just don't feel embarrassed about that kind of stuff. It's just, it's never existed in my life, for better or for worse, which is another reason why I do think I would be good on reality TV. Again, the circle, call me back. Authenticity is such an interesting kind of buzzword that we always... You always hear in social media, you hear it in marketing, you hear it in just about everything, that it's about authenticity. You want people to feel authentic, be authentic. That is how we connect is when, because when we can smell that bullshit, when we when we can see and sense that someone is fake, it's just an immediate turnoff. It's, I don't know where if it comes from like a sociological, I mean, it must have, it must have roots. I mean, I have absolutely no idea. I'm going to just venture a guess. But it must have roots in some biological ability to sense when someone is not being truthful or authentic because maybe that could be dangerous. Like I'm thinking I'm thinking back, you know, when we were cavemen and you know, someone was like, "Hey, um I I'm going to go kill this lion." 
you want to come with me? And then if they were being fake, you might think, I'm not going to because what if you kill me, sir? I don't know. Um, any <laughs> sociology majors? Fact check me, baby. Uh, but that I mean, it's got to come from something. Like uh, when we have these, when we have these spidey senses about things, it, it comes from like an evolution of sensing danger to keep us safe. Ultimately, everything comes down to safety. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm a film major. So vulnerability, being an open book, all of these things. It's easy to say that about yourself. It's easy, and I say this as someone who has done it a lot. It is easy to say, I'm an open book. It is easy to discuss the things that you've already worked through or that don't hold power over you anymore or maybe aren't even that secretive to begin with, but, um, you know, oversharing, right? Does does oversharing mean you're an open book in any real, authentic, vulnerable way? Maybe not. Maybe you're just an oversharer. Same, same, babe, same. Although, the funny thing is, I overshare maybe on the internet, but... I don't think I do face-to-face with people. I I like to think that I'm pretty aware, self-aware and aware of other people. And I don't think I would just like randomly start trauma dumping on someone if they didn't invite the trauma dumping with open arms, you know? Oh my God, I said, you know, you know, alert, you know, alert. We're going to start putting that in every time I hear myself say, you know. <laughs> Anywho, any hoozle doozle. Yeah, I've just been thinking a lot uh, about my identity and the phrase open book and my willingness to share myself online, but also that I get something out of that and that my willingness is not some martyr, self-sacrificial thing. I gain plenty from it. Um... And I think it's important to say that because that's the thing I hate the most, I think, about some of the kind of wellness, toxic positivity, sort of self-help guru type shit is this idea that you're doing this great service to everybody else without acknowledging what you're getting from it, oftentimes financially, oftentimes um, it is. It's so, it's so weird. I I do have this like weird, I do get this weird icky feeling about people who make like millions and millions from being these self-help gurus. And then there's part of me that goes, well, they, I mean, work is work. And obviously I think that creative work, um, you know, people who write and all these things, like these things should be valued too. So if someone is writing a book, if some, of course, like that should be valued and that should be monetarily valued too because that is a service but I don't know like I do still get this like icky feeling sometimes of it's like people who can who do these webinars that are like crazy expensive and you're kind of like what are your qualifications bro like what 
I don't know. And so I and I've just and I've been thinking, right, about the idea of vulnerability and 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 a lot of people in the self-help, self-betterment, self-improvement space. Um and I'm not talking about like literal therapists or literal mental health professionals who help people one-on-one on a daily basis. I'm talking about like the Tony Robbins of the world who is like a freak to begin with, but um and there's this air, I mean, it's an arrogance, first of all, but there's this air, too, of like, you know, oh, I'm so being so vulnerable for other people. And like, it is this great gift. And, and it is a gift many times because there are so many people who do benefit from self, the whole, the whole self-help genre. And it's a, that's a huge genre, right? I'm thinking, obviously, of a very specific kind of subsect. But I I guess it just kind of bothers me because as someone who in my own little ways has done things where I've been like, maybe this will help someone, I would be a total fraud to not be like, I also gain, I also gain validation and self-worth and um, good feelings from people consuming this and telling me they consumed it and telling me that it helped them. It's like that... um, there's a Friends episode where um, Joey and Phoebe are talking about like that there's no such thing as like a, a pure good deed without um, selfish motivations. And um, and then like Phoebe donates to PBS even though she hates PBS. And then Joey is like really happy. And she's like, oh, look how happy Joey is. That makes me happy. And it's this whole thing of like, oh. It, it she gained something from it and she's like oh nothing is tr- truly selfless and that is true i don't think anything is truly selfless i think a lot of things um are beneficial for everybody right like if you do a good deed for someone but it makes you feel good too you still did that good deed like that's fine we're not freaking angels out here but um yeah i don't know i just i i think i think Recovery has been really good for me because it has grounded me a lot in the ways where it hasn't rid me of my ego. (laughs) Definitely not. Ego is still there, but it's allowed me to really like see my ego and and see why I do things and understand um, my sort of relationship with validation and that drinking was a way that I numbed and self-soothed, but sharing is also a way that I numb and self-soothe is it a healthier way than drinking yeah of course absolutely that's that's what we're all looking for ways to self-soothe that are better for us and of course sharing is a beautiful thing but it can also have um motivations maybe that aren't always the best for us like why are you sharing that thing is it for a reaction is it for um validation like i often do is it and and also, by the way, validations it's not a bad thing. All, all we want in life, I think, is we want to be loved and we want to be seen. And validation is often how we feel seen. The issue is when you're not able to give yourself any validation and all of your validation comes from outside sources. And do I enjoy people telling me nice things? Yeah. But I also validate myself a lot, too, because I believe in what I do and I'm proud of myself and I like myself and I have fun with myself. So, yes, 
can I be kind of an attention whore? For sure. Absolutely. But my self-worth isn't derived from that, ultimately. Um, Which is, I think, for me, how I'm able to be an attention whore online and not feel like it's totally detrimental to me, if that makes sense. Any hoozle. Um, I'm recording this on the day of the Super Bowl and LA won and I live in LA and there just there's loudness around. I didn't even know that LA had a sports had a football had a, f- had a football team until the fireworks started going off and I got an email that said LA just won football. And I said, "Excuse me, I need to record my podcast episode." So I'm going to I'm going to sign off soon because I'm I'm trying to fight with the noises of 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 joy and football and i'm never gonna win but before i go you know what time it is it's something that made me happy this week it's my pink cloud of sobriety so my family oh did you hear my voice crack like i'm a 13 year old boy so my family i am not, in fact, a 13-year-old boy, but a soon-to-be 30-year-old woman. Uh, what was my pink cloud? <laughs> oh, yeah. So my family adopted um, two dogs. They adopted a mom dog named Senna and then her puppy named Gia. And they're both so cute. And I'm really excited to meet them and see them uh, pretty soon. And obviously, I will be documenting it on social media. But I just think it's so sweet. They originally were going to adopt the puppy um, from, you know, a rescue. They were being they went to the foster home to pick up the puppy that they had literally already pre-adopted. And all the other puppies had been adopted. And then it was down to this puppy and the mom and then then my mom calls and says yeah so we brought home the mom too and I just thought that's just so sweet and beautiful and um it's so cute because they're always like walking around together and snuggling together and when you really think about it like it's kind of like so sad that we take away animals from their moms like that is actually like really really kind of crazy and obviously they adopted from a rescue um i'm not gonna go off on like a breeder tangent but it is like kind of it if you think about it it is crazy that like breeders will like breed an animal the animal will have a baby and then they'll be like sorry mom and then take the babies and then give the babies away like that's just like sad and i feel like that has to do psychological damage but anyway i just think it's very sweet that the mom gets to be with her baby now you know forever so i I thought that was a really nice hopeful sweet kind of just pure pink cloud and um yeah stay tuned on socials on my social media to see them because they are so 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 cute thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of sobriety and you know what i love you i don't tell you that enough but i love you okay bye everyone see you next week (laughs) 